From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. Good morning. I'm Malcolm White. I'm here with Carol Puckett. And we're only a few days away from the 4th of July, which brings out the red, white, and barbecue. That means barbecue and grilling and your favorite summer sides. Watermelon, ice cream, you tell us what's going on in your 4th of July kitchen. We'll also talk about traditions. And in the studio, we have award-winning grill master Trudy Fisher from True Q. And also the barbecue institution right here in Jackson of the E&L Barbecue. Join us. Call at 1-877-672-7464 or send an email to food at mpbonline.org. That's Deep South Dining coming right up from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. It is Deep South Dining. I'm Malcolm White here with my great friend, Carol Puckett. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Malcolm. You smell the aroma of smoke in the studio this morning? I do, and I also see the line of people coming back behind the studio door to taste barbecue. You know, they when we were kids, we were told if we made Kool-Aid, we'd make friends. But around here, if you bring barbecue, instant friends. And we got quite a crowd. We got some good eats here. In fact, the person who created the good food and the good vibe is Trudy Fisher. Welcome in, Trudy. Thank you. What on earth is on the menu this morning? I I saw it uh, uh, briefly as I was dipping in the studio here. Well, we have a selection of uh, grilled corn salad. And uh, this morning I got up and uh, grilled some pork tenderloins with a variety of seasonings. And then there's a new barbecue sauce that I just made that I'm trying out that I brought so I could get some feedback from the crew here at MPB. Well, Job is shaking his head in the affirmative in there. Thumbs, thumbs up. Thumbs up. <clears throat> on the sauce. So. Carol, what did you eat this weekend? Did you do some cooking Malcolm, and grilling? What you do? I, I did not cook. I got cooked upon this weekend. Oh, I went down go. to Magnolia Springs, <clears throat> Alabama, which is a small town outside of Fairhope. It's, it's on the Magnolia River. It's just a beautiful little community. And my youngest brother, Todd, you've met Todd I know Puckett. Todd, yes, Todd cooked for me. Had a shrimp boil, then oh, he boy. boiled artichokes, corn, potatoes. He made some crab cakes. He's a wonderful cook, so I got cooked upon. Good, 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 good. I, I know that you had a big weekend. Well, yeah, there was some good cooking going on at uh, on Gillespie Street. Kara made a uh, Jubilee cake with coconut, which was fantastic, from the Red Truck Bakery cookbook that I got last week. She also made a uh, fruit cobbler with blueberries and fresh peaches, white peaches, and that was outrageous. And then last night we grilled... Chicken kebabs uh, using a recipe that her parents use in Richmond, Virginia for the Armenian Food Festival. So we marinated, she marinated the the chicken in this Armenian uh, style, and then I grilled it on the grill, and it was rock and roll good. What distinguishes Armenian food? I know that you're having having a lot of it since um, Kara has a beautiful Armenian heritage. Yeah, I mean, the rice is pilaf, and um, 
uh, the, the marinades are different. This was a sort of tomatoey based marinade. Um, very great to to, uh, to sample, but very. Di- I don't I don't know exactly all of the ins and outs of Armenian food. I eat a lot of it, uh, <laughs> but I haven't, as You're they say, thing. studied up on it. However, we do have an expert here on barbecue. Trudy, we are so glad you're here. What is True Q? Well, I, I enjoy cooking so much for family and friends and then also for uh, business associates and clients that I needed to have a name uh, to cook under. So uh, I came up, well, some friends and my niece came up with this kind of catchy name, True Q, with a play off my name. I think that's better than Trudy Q. Trudy Q, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're both good. <laughs> so you um, you grill a lot. You, uh, you've tried some... Um, contest you've you've won the memphis in may rib contest if i'm not mistaken yes we um back in 2007 to during the 2000 years uh we had a barbecue team all girl team sassy sows uh we'd like to say we're sassy sows and a few good men (laughs) and uh, we focused on ribs and we traveled across the southeast and in memphis in may and had a really good run of uh, fortune at memphis in may in the rib in the rib uh, competition. And I think you told us you cook baby backs. That's, That's your correct. specialty. Yes, baby back ribs. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't fool with the big old Kansas City style. No, just try to, you know, our, my motto has always been to keep it simple. Any Anytime you can, keep it simple. And you really can uh, keep it simple with the baby back ribs, in my opinion. Oh, Trudy, I find it interesting that you had an all-woman barbecue team and are are you seeing that more and more in competitions and around the country? You are seeing it more and more now. You're seeing more uh, women who are the head cook on teams. Uh, when we started out in um, the late 1990s, it wasn't as commonplace as you see now. Um, and I'm, I'm very glad to see that more women teams and more women head cooks uh, are out there. We have several in Mississippi who do very well in competition. I no longer cook competition. I have a day job that, that takes up a, uh, needs to take up the appropriate amount of my time. Uh, but you have more and more women cooking. You have uh, Leslie Roark Scott in Yazoo City with U-Bonds, and she is, uh, does very well across the circuit. And she says that's a Missouri style, is what she told me when I asked her what style they cook. Yep. It's interesting. If you want to talk about barbecue, ask questions of our chef. Uh, Trudy Fisher, or talk to Carol and I about it, just call one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and we'll put you on the air. If you want to be on the air, or we'll just talk to you off the air. But you're, this is your show. You're welcome to call in. Again, we are talking about barbecue and the 4th of July. I posted uh, some uh, information on the uh, Facebook, the Internet, and got a Quite a few re- replies. People talked about sauces first. They they talked about the Alabama white sauce. They talked about the North Carolina vinegar base. Uh, one fella talked about uh, barbecue chicken, and I know Trudy is a smoked turkey expert. I'm gonna we're gonna hear more about that. My buddy Rick Cleveland wrote in, and he said, uh, <clears throat> "I'm a rib rub guy." He said, "Hickory smoke, of course, no sauce needed." But when I go through Tuscaloosa or Mobile, it's always dreamland for me, which triggered Chip Sanders to say dreamland is good. However, in, when I'm in Tuscaloosa, it's Archibalds. And this is how barbecue works. Everybody has an opinion and everybody has a favorite. Uh, 
The sauce at, Bar- at Dreamland got a lot of thumbs up. People love that sauce, myself included. I don't know, Trudy, what your opinion is of the Dreamland sauce. Oh, I, I like it. I like it. I just don't have to go all the way to Tuscaloosa to get good barbecue. Because though. you can make it. Because <laughs> you make your own it's sauce. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some people uh, reminisced about Gridley's uh, and the days when Jackson had a Gridley's. Uh, someone also mentioned a fav- an old-time favorite of mine, which is Letha's in Hattiesburg. We also had a shout-out for McInnes, 12-Bone Barbecue in Gulfport. And finally, Goldie's Barbecue in, in, in Vicksburg. Goldie's Barbecue, Remember yeah. that one? It was called oh, yeah. Goldie's I Trail Barbecue. Yeah. The thing I liked mostly, most about Goldie's was that view of the river. Exactly. That back porch had a panoramic view of the Mississippi River, and you could sit there and eat the... Uh, the, the barbecue. Did anybody mention mustard sauce from South Carolina? They did. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, we barbecue's a national thing, but um, in our region, you know, which is the southeast, there are so many different styles. And South Carolina is famous for the mustard-based sauce. Mm-hmm. They're also famous. They do a lot of whole hog, but they also do hash, yeah. which you know, chops up organ meat and cartilage and, and lots of other things in there and that, that they top with slaw. But you really don't find the mustard sauce anywhere but South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Are you vinegar-based, Trudy? Uh, uh, Memphis, Memphis uh, barbecue style with tomato-based sauce, but I really do like a good vinegar sauce as well. I'll, uh, I've got a recipe to post afterwards of a good vinegar sauce that I use to mix with a tomato sauce, oh, uh, which really the vinegar sauce is really from the... Um, from from North Carolina, from, the, uh, from North Carolina. That's and the Eastern North Eastern, Carolina exactly tradition. Right. Yeah, but you're right on the mustard uh, sauce, South Carolina. You don't see as much as that that in Mississippi and Tennessee. You're starting to see more of it now uh, under the label of a gold sauce. Yeah, and it's a little bit milder sauce. I think that is more appealing to to what people in in our region uh, tend to like. Well, I love it. And this weekend when I was down in Fairhope, I found this shube sauce, which reminded me of a mustard sauce. Mm. And I said, I've got to get that for Malcolm. So uh, Malcolm, yeah, it it has vinegar and mustard and tomato. So it's one of those all-purpose sauces like you're talking about. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But it it is delicious. You can grill with it or dip with it. I'll have shub sauce uh, on my barbecue uh, this weekend for the 4th of July. That's that's terrific. Uh, now, you talked a little bit about the smokestack lightning, Carol. Uh, you, you talked about what a barbecue joint must be and the uh, sort of prerequisites of, of classifying yourself as a barbecue joint. Well, Smokestack Lightning is a wonderful barbecue book. It's kind of a barbecue tour, and it's by... Uh, Lowless Eric Ely from New Orleans. I think you've met him before at yep. S- Southern Foodways. And it was written uh, yeah, probably about 10 years ago, but he really, really covers the regions. And one thing I, I loved that uh, you know that he, he said about barbecue is it has to be in a small and out-of-the-way place. All right. It has to have plastic silverware. <laughs> okay. It has to have cardboard plates. And a place where people have come from for years and years. And that's how he defines and, and, a barbecue well, joint. Well, no, he, well, he just, yeah, he he says that barbecue joints need all of those components. Huh. And most every barbecue joint 
I go to has those components. And then there's regional barbecue, and there's different uh, states and different regions and different styles. You want to run through well, a few of those? Yeah, I want to talk about Texas. Uh, in central Texas, brisket is king, mm-hmm. and a low-smoked brisket. And that's because that area was settled by Germans and Czechs, and they really defined the barbecue tradition there. Sauce is not a big deal. It's the, it's the low and slow. No, nor are sides. You're lucky no, to get pickles is, and onions yeah, and it, a piece of bread. It's all about the brisket. And you've had some delicious brisket there. I went on a tour. Uh, the Southern Foodways Alliance did a Texas barbecue tour. And for That's three right. or four days, I traveled across Texas and, and ate at these big old meat houses on the side of the road. It was amazing. And, it's, and, and, and you know, it, it's beef because there ain't no hogs in Central Texas. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> but there are a lot of cows. We come back, we're going to talk more about different regions and different styles. We've got Trudy Fisher here, an award-winning grill master with us. If you want to join the conversation, we'd love to hear from you, 1-877-672-7464, or you can pop us an email to food at mpbonline.org. We'll be back. We'll talk more about barbecue. We'll have Trudy Fisher, and we'll also talk about the ENL barbecue right here in Jackson on Bailey Avenue. We'll be right back with Deep South Dining. Welcome back to Deep South Dining. This is Malcolm White here today with my buddy Carol Puckett. Hello, Carol. How are you this day? Well, I'm busy eating corn <laughs> salad that, that Trudy brought. You caught me. So corn salad is a what we would call a side. It is what we call a side, and this is delicious. Trudy, is this uh, one of your keep it simple type of recipes? It certainly is. And, um, you know, if somebody's looking for something different to do over the 4th of July, you know, go buy you a, a package of corn from your local produce or grocery store. Uh, go in and buy it cleaned and shucked. And uh, I cook it on the grill, medium-hot fire. You want some of those kernels to char. They'll kind of pop like popcorn, but you want that. You see some of the kernels are charred, and there's yeah. flavor in that, mm-hmm. in the charring of the corn. And it um, takes about 10 to 12 minutes, cover it in full, steams, finishes cooking, slice it off. And you can add anything in there that you like, whatever you prefer. This morning, you've got fresh basil, uh, sliced tomatoes, and uh, salt and pepper, and drizzled with olive oil and tossed. Well, it is absolutely delicious. About how long do you have to cook the corn? 10 to 15 minutes on a medium-hot fire. Are you turning it the whole time? You're turning about every two to three minutes. Once you kind of hear it pop, or when you cook, you need to cook. And by smell also, and you can smell when it's ready to turn. You can smell when it's getting a little brown, and you turn it because you want to get all sides, a little bit of char on all sides. Wow. So let's talk about gear, Trudy. You're the, you're the pro. What, what does the uh, beginning barbecuer need? To, uh, what kind of gear would you recommend? You know, again, just in the theme of keeping it simple, just a good kettle grill. Uh, a good kettle grill, get your charcoal uh, that you prefer. Well, one of the things I've learned early on is consistency. You need to cook with the same type. Your source of heat mm-hmm. needs to be the, use the same source of heat so it's, you stay consistent. But a good kettle grill, I always recommend a grill thermometer that you can place on your grill because you really need to know your cooking temperature at your surface. Right. 
and then a, just a cheap instant read thermometer that you can put in your meat if you're doing large cuts of meat that you need to get to 180 degrees, 190, or a turkey, 150, 155. Just a little instant read thermometer. It doesn't have to be anything fancy that's Bluetooth and hooks up to your phone. <laughs> uh, they got them for $1.99 some places. Uh, right. And uh, and full and uh, and Reynolds wrap. Gotta have some, gotta some have some aluminum foil. foil. Gotta have some aluminum foil and something and to baste your meat with when you're cooking. A little brush. A little brush. And then, are you a baster when you're making your award-winning bar, uh, baby backs? Yes, yes. I baste think throughout. Baste throughout. I think to keep maintain the moisture in the baby back ribs, I do a spritz of apple juice and uh, red wine. Um, Apple cider vinegar. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I'll do champagne vinegar and applesauce and a little bit of the dry rub in there. And it keeps it moist during the cooking so you're process. you're just putting it in a spray bottle. Put in a spray bottle. Just a small, just- little, cheap, little spray bottle. So mm-hmm. not a brush, but a spray. A spray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't baste. I don't baste or put on a barbecue sauce until the end of the cooking process. Because it burns. Yes, exactly right. But you rub, yes or no? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Dry rub is, is a key. You make your own? I do, I do. Mm-hmm. And uh, what but, sorts of things would be in a rub? Would there be any paprika in it? Yes, there would be paprika. There would be paprika. There'd be white sugar. There'd be a little bit of brown sugar. Um, there'd be cayenne pepper, salt, pepper. Uh, there's going to be. Uh, I, I use a little cumin mm-hmm. for my pork, and it adds a little different flavor. Uh, the cumin in the dry rub, and uh, I put a little basil in my dry rub. And when you make your own dry rub, it's really good to process it in a blender or uh, mixer to really get it in a, a good consistency for even application across the meat. Well, what are what are some tips that you have for people who are having a Fourth of July barbecue or just entertaining or or doing barbecue in general? I would say the biggest tip is cook what you're comfortable with. Um, if you're going to try something new for the first time. Uh, you know, that is wonderful, but I would suggest that you get most of the cooking process done before your company arrives. Um, One of my worst disasters when I tried something new one time and company was coming and everybody was talking and I couldn't get anything finished and it it never got ready. You know, we ended up ordering pizza. And uh, and I guess another tip is, you know, if if it doesn't work out, you can always uh, get some good barbecue around here uh, if it doesn't work out. But just, you know, keep it simple. Do what you like and, and cook what you like. Uh, well, when you talk about cooking before your company comes, you, you take the rib, ribs off the rack, take the chicken, wrap it up, or uh, what do you do with it in the meantime? Well, what what I always do is have it ready. You know, you need to know what time you want to serve. And then I literally, as much as I cook, I back up uh, by the hour when I want to start. And literally when I'm pulling the meat out of the refrigerator so it's not going on the fire so cold and stage your time when it's done wrap it in just aluminum pans cover it in foil and um, you can either put it in a cold grill with the lid down or just put it in your oven with the door closed uh, with no with oven off and uh, it will maintain its temperature you also can set warm meat and down in a an ice chest that has no ice in it and it will continue to steam and cook while in that ice chest. And you open up, and it's just heaven, heaven barbecue steam coming out of that ice chest when nice. it's time to serve. And it helps the tendering process as well. How long do you take your meat out of the refrigerator before you put it on the grill? I try to have it out at least an hour. Now, do I always? No. But I try to have it out at least an hour, sitting in the house, not sitting outside, but sitting in the house so it's not so cold. It allows the meat to take the smoke better if it's not so cold when it it gets, when you get it on the smoke. 
All right. Well, you mentioned uh, if your cooking doesn't turn out right, you can always go to a local eatery. And we have a little audio from the E&L over on Bailey Avenue. Let's see how they do their barbecue. I'm Keith Handy. I work at E&L Barbecue. I've been here for the better part of about 24 years. Um, We've been established for about 30 years, and we do barbecue. We have a traditional Chicago-style barbecue, um, which is equipped with our aquarium pit. We do uh, pork ribs, uh, I guess your standard pork ribs. Uh, We do rib tips. Um, Chicken wings are a huge seller here. Um, So do you smoke the wings or fry them or both? um, Our wings are fried. Now tell me about wing tips. The, that's not something that every place offers. It's kind of a, is it a specialty of this place? Um, actually, you mean the rib tips. Those rib tips, that's actually one of those Chicago um, flavors or whatnot. Um, that's basically the uh, bottom end of the uh, spare rib. And, you know, we cut them, season them, and uh, cook them to perfection. Well, what about your sauce? Tell me about your sauce. Um, our sauce is a family recipe, which has been passed down for, um, about five generations, I think. This is a family establishment, and, you know, when you come here, you are family. Eddie and Lula, those were the original owners. Um, they were actually natives of Mississippi. They're, um, the original owners actually passed away, and their daughter has taken up, you know, their dream, their vision, and, um, we continue from there. So that's a little report from the E&L on Bailey Avenue. That was not the ocean in the background. That's the traffic on Bailey Avenue. That's a busy place. It's interesting that he talked about an aquarium smoker in rib tips because those are Chicago things. And the aquarium smoker is a huge glass box. Yeah. And... um, I think it hadn't caught on down here because it's pretty hard to clean. But a lot of Chicago establishments use the aquarium smoker. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, the Cozy Corner in Memphis uh, has an aquarium smoker, which is a great barbecue place there in Memphis, even though I would say that's not a Memphis style. but Well, it, it's interesting when you think about the great migration of mm-hmm. people going from Mississippi, the Mississippi Delta, to St. Louis, to Chicago, and taking barbecue with them and then bringing barbecue and the aquarium smoker back. And, and did you have a chance to taste the rib tips? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were delicious. Uh, you know, that's a – I think the, the tip is actually uh, the, the little cartilage-rich piece of meat – it's often on the bottom of what they call a St. Louis rib cut, and it's cut off, uh, and it's uh, generally very affordable uh, and easy to access and easy to cook. And a lot of people, I think, uh, on the south side, pitmasters used to, to cook the tips, and now you see a lot in Mississippi as well. Yeah, it was thought of as a poor man's food because mm-hmm. it's half the price of, of ribs, but now it's a thing. It is a thing. It's a style. In fact, you know, I used to say Mississippi has no barbecue tradition, even though we know Memphis, St. Louis, Alabama, the Carolinas. We hear about all these other uh, styles, the Missouri style. But according to um, a report that I read on the Internet, uh, the Chicago style can be traced back to the 1930s, according to food historian Peter Engler. He says that one of several of these places started popping up on the uh, city's south side as millions of African-Americans migrated from the Mississippi Delta. Those Mississippi Delta 
folks brought a cooking style that later defined quickly smoked meats over direct heat covered with a sweet sauce, and that is what we now know as Chicago style. Yeah, and in St. Louis, they, they have their own thing, too. You know, the St. Louis rib, spare rib, cuts the bottom off to make it a more rectangular presentation, and that's where you get your rib tips. But they're also known for snoot sandwiches. Mm. They they have mm. some pig nose sandwiches up there. It's a St. Louis thing. Heard of pig ears, but not pig nose, but sounds good to me. So, Trudy, um what style would you say if someone stopped you on the street and saw you wearing your True Q uh, shirt that you have on the day and said, what, what kind of barbecue style do you cook? You know, I'm sitting here, I, I'm not sure how to answer that question because I really, I, I like so many of the styles. Probably it's more of a Memphis, Missouri style mm-hmm. with, a, uh, with a nod to eastern North Carolina. So you incorporate and amalgamate various yes, styles. Yes, and, and it I, depends on the the cut of the meat and what I you know. And a lot of times your audience who you're who are you who you're feeding and and you know their preferences. So if someone asks you the question, "Does Mississippi have a barbecue style?" How would you answer that? I would say, "Yeah, it's what we like. It's what <laughs> it's what you like." I think our style, you know, because because you know, talking barbecue with so many friends, it's it, it is different. Everyone, you know, will lean toward a different region. Uh, because we've had such wonderful exposure to good barbecue in the South. And, you know, I always think, you know, you need to cook what you like. And uh, and and I'll see a lot of the Memphis style, though, mm-hmm. I think, if I, I see the most probably Memphis style barbecue. Well, let's talk about wood, because sure. I think that defines often uh, an area's style because of the availability of the wood, right? You're exactly right. I mean, you see... Uh, especially on the circuit, and you're or you're at a good barbecue restaurant in Georgia. You know they're gonna they're gonna uh, talk about peach wood, and you got to have the peach wood. You know if you're in Illinois or Missouri, it's gonna be a lot of apple wood. Mississippi, we have a lot of what? We have a lot of wild pecan trees. We have a lot of pecan trees in hickory. In hickory, and so you see a combination of pecan and hickory, uh, which is what I use primarily pecan with some hickory uh, added to the pecan. And how much smoke is enough smoke, and how much smoke is too much smoke? Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't know that you can get too much smoke on some of the larger cuts of meat because in the cooking process, they're going to stop taking smoke at a certain point. Oh, okay. And so you really want to get um, early in the process, two to three hours in the process for your ribs, for your Boston butts or your shoulder. You want to just have you want to have charcoal and uh, wood, so you've got a heavy wood. You got a heavy smoke in your cooking chamber, uh, for the, especially for the first two to three hours of cooking. A lot of times in the process, you're waiting for your meat to get done, and it won't, it's taken all the smoke flavor it's going to take, and so that's when you can wrap it in foil, and that helps uh, tenderize and, uh, and the cooking process a little bit faster once you wrap the meat and uh, put some more seasonings, a little bit uh, basting uh, sauce or liquid in, in your foil as it continues to cook. Great. Well, we're talking barbecue. We're talking 4th of July. We're talking with Trudy Fisher. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, your favorite barbecue styles, your favorite barbecue restaurant, give us a call, 1-877-672-7464. Talk to Carol, myself, or Trudy. We're talking barbecue, y'all, and we'll be right back on Deep South Dining. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Malcolm White with Carol Puckett here. Also, Trudy Fisher, our barbecue expert, is in the house this morning, uh, bearing all sorts of good eats, corn salad and pork tenderloin and those beautiful Hawaiian buns, everybody's favorite. They're certainly around here. So uh, if you can't always sit still on a Monday and uh, listen to the show from beginning to end, you can always check us out uh, through the podcast system. Uh, it, you can find that at mpbonline.org backslash Deep South Dining, or you can actually subscribe to the podcast using the MPB Public Media app or really any podcast app. You can check us out. So we're, we're back. We've got a phone uh, caller here. We've got Patty calling in from Jackson. She wants to talk about the ENL. Hello, Patty. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. And good day to you all and Miss Trudy. Um, and I just wanted to shout out E&L and thank you all for broadcasting that because E&L is one of our down-home restaurants, and we're very proud that they're on Bailey Avenue uh, with all the infrastructure problems that they <laughs> decided to stay, and people will just hit the potholes to get there, so it's a good thing. Yeah, good so barbecue is worth a pothole or two. Yeah, it yeah. sure is. It certainly is, and you should see it around lunch hours. Like, who can eat this food during lunchtime? But they are just—if you don't get there early, you'll miss out. But you also can come back that afternoon. They sell from very late in the evening, and uh, we're just glad that that family has passed that tradition down. And uh, we just. Thank God they're still um, standing strong. Thank you all. Thank you, Patty, for the call. And again, comments about the E&L Barbecue on Bailey Avenue. And uh, been there 30 years uh, doing their thing. A Chicago-style cookery uh, using the aquarium cooker and uh, the whole Chicago tradition. Check them out. Uh, and I was there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon last week, and the place was packed. I mean, it's not like they have a break. That place goes uh, constantly. I bet it's going to be madness this week with the 4th of July. Don't you know it? How many racks you think they're going to roll out A of there? A whole bunch. It's going to be great. We also have another caller on the phone. This time we have Sue calling from Beaumont. Sue's going to talk to us a little bit about barbecue in Mexico. Yes. How are y'all? Good. How are you? Um, I've seen some interesting ways to cook a cabrito. That's what goat in English in Mexico. They would dig a pit and put the goat down in there in, in a pit with hot rocks and burlap bags and it would come out nice and brown and beautiful and it looked delicious. I never did try it. Then another way they would make a build a fire and just grill the goat over that open fire like a rotisserie. Somebody would sit there and turn the handle to barbecue the goat. And uh it always looked good but goat was not a, a taste I ever developed a knack for so I never did try any except once. But it looked good. It was just an interesting way to cook food. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Trudy, what do you think about that style? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you just need some kind of chamber that's going to hold the heat and then cover cover the meat so it can, you know, absorb the heat and cook. And, you know, so many of our cooking history has grown up in, like, pits in the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, dig a hole, cover it with, put your meat down there, uh, cover some, put some rocks or cinder blocks, put your meat on a rack, cover it with a piece of tin. You know, it's just, when you look back, the history of barbecue in the South, and in Mississippi in particular, is, you know, it's just so amazing to me. And it's not, it's just the caller was saying, you have, you know, similar traditions, all of, you know, in Mexico as well. And <clears throat> interesting comment about the goats, um, 
that is a <clears throat> the goats are going to be very popular this week as well at the local processing plants because that is something that you see more and more of now of uh, the barbecuing and cooking of of goats right. in in the south yeah yeah, I just wanted to make a comment about the pit barbecue. That takes a lot of skill because once you close up a pit, especially in the Mexican barbacoa, you have no way of adjusting the right. heat. Can't I mean, turn you can't turn it up to, or down. You, have, no, to, you have to know what you're doing. Yeah, and you don't have a piece of glass to look through and look no, at it. So yeah, yeah. Got another caller uh, on the phone up in the Mississippi Delta, Greenwood. We got Bill on the phone. Hey, Bill. Hey, how y'all doing? Good, good. You? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, I just like to, uh, I've been to a lot of barbecue places, and I've been quite disappointed with some. Uh, A lot of them try to take a shortcut, and especially if you're buying the pool barbecue, it's not not smoked up with a fire, and it has no smoky taste. And some of these places, you know, one place I went to, they had a gigantic big pit. And they, they and they did they just quit using it. All they do is cook it over a stove or in an oven, and just put the barbecue sauce on there and hmm. try to fool you. So, oh well. So it sounds like you it. cannot be fooled. <laughs> <laughs> Bill knows the smoke. Yeah, if you're driving down the road and it says barbecue, and there's no smoke, I guess just keep going. Just keep right, going. Trudy? Just keep going. <laughs> well, Trudy, talking yeah. about smoke, I know you. Um, you say that you know gas grills. You can get all kinds of good stuff on gas grills too. You can. And how do you get smoky flavor in gas, gas grills? No, you can because I don't want to. It's not all about charcoal and and wood on gas grills. You know wood chips uh, and some soak them in water, wrap them in foil, let them get you know get the t- smoke started uh, burning, and they will they will give a good smoke flavor in your gas grill. Uh, you need to have you need to use a lot of chips because you want to. You, when you open that grill on a gas grill, you want it to be smoky, and you're going to do indirect. You're doing indirect cooking anyway, so you're going to have your wood chips down where your where your burners are on. Mm-hmm. And in the gas grill, one thing that I find because I like to see what I can do on any type of cooking um, apparatus. And so on a gas grill, I've done this with wood chips, and then you put an aluminum pan of water or beer, you know, favorite beer yeah. that you have in the ice chest. Put put it on top of the cooking surface as well, and it helps uh, provide moisture inside the gas grill and the gas cooking chamber. So you can you can get good smoked meat uh, on a gas grill if you just take you know take some time to set it up uh, to have the moisture in the smoke. So speaking of direct and indirect cooking, talk a little bit about do you put your ribs or your shoulders? Uh, on the direct heat at any point to char and sear and then move to indirect, or do you just go all indirect? I do all in all indirect, mm-hmm. all indirect. I have a backwood smoker. It's a vertical smoker, firebox at the bottom, and a water pan, and then the smoke infiltrates through the chambers at the top, and so it's indirect cooking with the moisture from the water pan, but um, never – I've. I, that's not my technique that I use. Mm-hmm. Some people use that technique and, and have a lot of success with it. So how do you get the char exterior if you never put it on direct heat? Through the through the temperature you maintain in the cooking chamber mm-hmm. for for the ribs or a Boston butt, I'm going to stay around 225, 250 degrees inside the cooking chamber, and over by you'll have the color 
that you're looking for, kind of a dark red, starting to have, you know, look done by three hours, three to four hours, if you keep your temperature 225 and apply the smoke. All right, we got another caller, Mickey, calling in from Mobile, Alabama. How y'all do barbecue in Mobile, Mickey? Mikey, sorry. Hey, Mikey. Hey, um, I got, well, I hope that this is not sacrilegious here <laughs> when I'm about to ask, okay? Put it on. Uh, Bring it on, sister. <laughs> all righty, I'm going to try here. Um, uh, if, if you're using, I found that the natural smoke flavors, the liquid kind that you can buy, um, they come in hickory, mesquite, and something else. I don't know, whatever. You can't do pecan, of course, or stuff like we really love here. But um, is it cheating to use those? Or can you use those as an enhancement to, you know, the other natural stuff you got on? And my other comment is that um, my sister-in-law, who is, <laughs> who is an extraordinarily good person uh, and good cook, um, she, in fact, was a hospital dietitian for a long time, and uh, but uh, and married my brother, who at the time was a hunter. And I remember uh, when we were having a, a Mother Day, Mother's Day outing, and oysters were the main, um, you know, what we were really there for. But uh, she brought a thermos, and it was not. And I just the point I'm trying to make is that the, the thermos was not a big cooler. It was uh, like something that you use for drinks, mm -hmm. but it was filled with delicious, I mean, some absolutely fabulous deer meat that he had had harvested and she had cooked, and it, it stayed perfectly, and it fed about 15 people. Great. Great. And going to the uh, your comment about liquid smoke, I have seen some recipes and know some people that will apply uh, just a, a small amount of liquid smoke to whatever they're spritzing or spraying on their uh, on their meat while it's smoking. Uh, I've also seen some people put just a hint of the liquid smoke in some of their barbecue sauces and some of the serving sauces and basting sauces. Uh, it's not anything that uh, that I've done uh, in a while, but it is some, definitely something out there. So in, in your comment, there is no cheating in barbecue. It's what you like. You know, if you like it, do it, you know. Right. And she also mentioned oysters. I didn't quite get the part. Uh, let's talk about smoking oysters. They're you, fine. Oh, yeah. Do, they are fine. Talk about that. Yeah. It, it's just wonderful. I mean, you get, smoke them in the shell uh, and uh, just apply whatever, you know, a little seasoning that you want. And uh, they just, they take that smoke flavor and they just pop, they just pop in your mouth. And some of the, my favorite things I smoked, I had a tuna loin uh -huh. and smoked the tuna loin. And uh, it was just phenomenal. So How smoking did you do is, that? Well, I put it in the backwoods. It was the same cooking process as I do for the pork, 225, 250, and I didn't apply any seasonings to the tuna. I wanted the tuna to speak for itself and, and with the smoke, and, man, it did. Uh, cooked it to medium to medium rare in the center. I uh, sliced it and then ended up making my own, you know, smoked tuna dip after what, what was left over. Yeah, I was going to say that that's, a, fine. that's a Gulf Coast tradition, yeah. uh, that smoked tuna dip. Uh, yeah. I hate to waste a nice big piece of tuna, but uh, if you got a lot of it, absolutely. the dip is terrific. So we're going to uh, continue to take your calls. If you're interested in talking about barbecue, asking Trudy a question, you're going to tell us what you're cooking for the 4th of July. It's coming up in a few days. Give us a call, one 672 or you can drop us an email to food 
at mpbonline.org. And we'll be happy to take your questions, comments, and don't forget to check out our website where we put recipes and suggestions and nice photographs, and Java does a good job with that. And take our last break, come back with Trudy and Carol, and talk about barbecue. This is Deep South Dining. An evening of jazz can be just what the doctor ordered. Join me, Meredith Michelle, with WJSU's Evening Jazz, 7 to 10 weeknights on MPB Music Radio. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining. I'm Malcolm White. I'm here with my buddy Carol Puckett and with the barbecue grand champion in the studio, Trudy Fisher. Welcome back, ladies. Thank you. Thanks, Mal. We are. We've been talking a lot about meat. Been talking a lot about smoke, and we've been talking a lot about sauce. But what about sides? What about sides? Yeah. I don't know what you're going to be making, but I'm going to be doing a grilled ratatouille this oh, weekend. Let's hear about that now. Well, you know, as you know, ratatouille is a mixture. It's kind of a Mediterranean thing, but it's mm-hmm. a, a mixture of lots of different vegetables. And I'm going to put my vegetables on the grill. Um, one of the things I've learned over the years, there's so many ways to grill vegetables. And it, it's intimidating to talk about this in front of the master here. <laughs> But I put my vegetables on with with no oil. It, uh-huh. They're easier to handle. And you know, put a red pepper, a green pepper, uh, eggplant, uh, tomatoes, onions, squash. And you just pull them off as they're ready. Because some, some things take longer to cook, like a pepper or like an onion. Mm-hmm. Then chop it all up put it in a bowl and the secret ingredient is good olive oil and love (laughs) ratatouille is all about the olive oil but i'm going to post a good recipe for that oh great 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 great. and you know you asked me earlier about this uh the cooking style uh karis cooking style the armenian style and really a lot of it is the mediterranean style and we we grill a lot of vegetables i grilled vegetables last night and we cook a lot of eggplant and peppers and onions and it goes well with so what are your grilling tips for vegetables well you know i do put a little bit of oil on them because i like that real nice char that that they get i do direct Trudy. Absolutely, for uh, your vegetables. Uh, talk Absolutely. about how you grill your vegetables. Direct. Yes, right. yeah. I think we I think we could do it very, very similarly. Uh-huh. Uh, direct on the direct fire. I know oil. I know oil on mine as well. Uh, one thing I will add a sprinkling of is, um, and a good basting uh, brand out there, something you can go get in the grocery stores, Paul Newman's Classic Olive Oil oh, and Vinegar. Vinegar. It. Yeah, because it's, it. it's all, it's a natural, doesn't impart any any other flavors other than just that classic olive oil and vinegar. But I will drizzle a little bit of that on my grilled vegetable as well. And all profits go to charity. Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I have a bottle in my cabinet right now. I yeah. used it last night. Yeah, I usually keep four or five around. It's good. So, and he's got lots of uh, different varieties yes. of, of salad dressings and other I guess he does marinades and he does. other other mm-hmm. pieces. I so, love that that Paul Newman's name lives, and you know, for us, you know, we watch. He was such the heartthrob in the movies, and for generations now, after the next couple of generations, he's the salad dressing guy, yeah, yeah. the salad king. He has a crown in, yes. in, in, yeah. the, in the image. All right, we're going back to the phones, going all the way down to the Golden Gulf Coast to Gulfport. We got Ann on the phone. What's going on, Ann? Hey, I was just wondering. How you would do ribs in an air fryer? An air fryer. True. Do you know anything about that? I, you know, Ann, I'm sorry. I, I just don't know that much about an air fryer. Um, 
I would think uh, you would need to cut them into like uh, two bones or one bone and get a small, you know, a small piece uh, for it to cook thoroughly in the air fryer. Um, I'd have to give that some thought. I maybe cook it in the air fryer and then, ra- I, you know, I'm, I would wrap it in foil and finish it off in the oven mm-hmm. uh, and let it get some moisture from uh, finishing it off in the oven. Do you have a style or a technique, Ann, that you use? I've tried it once, and I did a dry rub almost um, three hours before, um, and I did use cumin in my dry rub also. Um and I use a little brown sugar, no no granulated, hmm. um, and basil, cayenne, paprika, uh, granulated garlic, uh, onion powder, um, dry mustard, all in my dry rub. That sounds they great. Tasted, well, they tasted <laughs> great. Tastes good to me. <laughs> I ended up cooking them in the oven because the first two that I tried in the air fryer they came out a little tough, and I thought mm. with that dry rub, they should have been more tender. So I thought, well, maybe I did something not quite right following, because the air fryer you're supposed to be able to cook everything, mm-hmm. but um, as I seen up, on TV. Well, yeah, and these were St. Louis style, and I ended up putting them in the oven um, to finish off the slab because I did, you know, and I I pulled the membrane off and everything, so. Yeah, yeah. I um, I thought maybe you might have some tips. No, and I don't. But your dry rub sounds wonderful, and you clearly you clearly know what you're doing right. with that dry rub and your approach. Um, so um, I would have to research that and see if I could provide you any more tips on the air fryer. But maybe just stick to the oven. Yeah, because uh, you found out that that worked. <laughs> and and then she talked about tenderness, and you, she was thinking that maybe her rub added the tenderness. And you, you, what yeah. is your thought on that? Now your and your, the dry rub is not going to uh, tenderize your meat. Uh, it's the cooking process that tenderizes the meat. And I don't know that an air fryer is designed to for the rendering process, the slow rendering process, to tenderize uh, St. Louis style any rib uh, like. You know, like an oven would or a grill. So, um, uh, but you may be able to master it in the air fryer. But I don't know that it's designed to render the meat for tenderness like uh, like you're thinking. All right, we're talking barbecue. We're talking Fourth of July, and we're talking sides. If you have a favorite side you want to share with us, or one that you like, you know, a lot of people are, are puzzled uh, about whether to go with potato salad or coleslaw. I like both. I, I like both. I, I, I've got a um, seven-day slaw recipe. I think a lot of people have seen this recipe. It's a vinegar-based slaw recipe, so I'm not as worried about a mayonnaise-based slaw sitting out uh, during the during the Fourth of July, where everybody's mm-hmm. coming and going and, and eating. And the seven-day slaw, it I mean, it it will you know last for many days. Uh, it's really good condiment, really good side for any of the any of the meat. And. Going back to North and South Carolina, they use a lot of vinegar-based slaws. They put the actual barbecue sauce in the slaw, or they just no, the but vinegar? they're they're vinegar-based. Mm-hmm. Unlike mayonnaise-based, um, what what what's called Memphis-style slaws. Right. What about uh, mustard-based uh, potato salad versus mayonnaise? Any thoughts on that? I, I grew up with our mother making the combination of mustard and mayonnaise, with leaning toward a little bit more of the mustard. Mm-hmm. Carol. I'm a mayonnaise type 
type of gal. We had a whole like, show you know. on mayonnaise recently. Wow, that and would have been great. I'd love to be <laughs> yeah, Hellman's, Hellman's versus Duke's. Duke's. Well, yeah. Homemade. Who, what, who won? Well, I, you know, I don't know that anybody won, but people were very opinionated. Opinion, very. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like barbecue. Right. Everybody's got an opinion about mayonnaise, especially at this time of the year, fresh tomatoes coming in. Mm. Had a show on tomatoes, too. <laughs> and there was there was recently an article in the New York Times I need to bring in. It said the millennials are killing mayonnaise. Uh-oh. That millennials are, you know, they're not they're not using. They're mayonnaise. not hip to mayo. And and another thing about mayo, there's an abomination in the land. Uh, I saw in the grocery store the other day. It's called mayo chup. Huh. It is a combination of mayonnaise and ketchup, oh, and Heinz is putting it out. I mean, don't they have more well, sense than that? They're good ketchup people. They must have had a, a an interest somewhere, or they would not have come up with this. Maybe they're trying to get the comeback slowly. That could be. I you didn't, know, I didn't think kind of about the, it, but they're thinking, begin. okay, people like mayonnaise, people like ketchup, or get, the, millenni- get the millennials who are not eating mayonnaise, or get it through the... Ch- Mayo chup now. Yeah. <laughs> Trudy, before we go, I want you to talk a little bit about one of your specialties, and that's that pool turkey you were telling us about sure. earlier. That's fascinating. Sure. Something for um, for the listeners to consider if they want to do something different this year. Um, I get a, a, a um, turkey breast, frozen turkey breast from the local grocery store and um, season it after it's good and thawed. I season it with all my dry rubs, use garlic salt. Uh, a lot of salt. One thing about any meat you're cooking, it takes more seasonings than people think. A lot of times, it, it really needs to get a good, you know, good uh, dose of your dry rub on it. But I get it on the skin, underneath the skin. Put it in an aluminum pan. Put a fourth a stick of butter in the cavity. Fourth stick of butter in the aluminum pan. Breast side down. Same cooking process. 225, 250 degrees in the smoker. It takes the smoke. Uh, as it cooks, it, it's basting in its own juices right. from that dry rub and, of course, that good butter. And uh, it, a typical six to seven pound turkey breast will cook in four hours. Uh, using that instant read thermometer, when the deepest part of the breast hits 150 degrees, take it out, wrap it in foil. Don't, don't go by what, the, you know, what you read because it's going to be dry Thanksgiving turkey. Nobody wants Nobody that. Nobody wants that. And then once you can touch it, you know, warm enough, keep it warm keep, while it's warm, but as soon as it's cool enough to touch, it will pull, it will pull just like uh, a shoulder. Mm. And uh, it so sounds we delicious. serve pulled turkey sandwiches with a white barbecue sauce and a little bit of slaw. And how do you make white barbecue sauce? I know that's an Alabama thing. It, it is, uh, well, it goes back to some mayonnaise. It goes, yeah, okay. yeah mayonnaise and vinegar and various seasonings. Uh, I make mine by running down to the grocery store. <laughs> there are so many good products uh, out there on the yeah, market. Bob the white. Gibson was yeah. the first one to make white white sauce, right? Absolutely, yeah. You're exactly right. That's, it originated in Alabama. And, and can uh, we get Bob Gibson sauce? Yes. Um, yes, you can. I'll have to thinking where you've seen it. Maybe yep. and get Bob Bob Gibson. Ladies, thanks so much. It's been a great day of talking about barbecue and sides and such. The 4th of July, right around the corner. I hope whatever you cook is delicious and you have a blessed time with your family. Deep South Dining is a production of the Mississippi Broadcasting Think Radio. We're funded by generous contributors like yourself. Our show was produced by Java Chapman. Trudy Fisher and Carol and I have had a blast. Stay tuned now for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11 o'clock. And so join us next Monday at 9 o'clock in the morning for Deep South Dining right here only on MPB Think Radio.